your help this week because I have a Christmas gift request from the one of the little ones in the family, uh, and yeah. I know nothing about D and D. They're requesting a D and D starter kit, like a, oh. how you get going. And I, yes. I have never really played D and D, so I don't know what to. I, I, I'm assuming there's dice. I'm assuming oh, yeah. there's a book. And I'm assuming yeah. there's like some kind of special pre-printed piece of paper that you write down the nerd stats of your character, right? <laughs> yes. But I, I don't, I don't know what, what, what do you need to play D and I genuinely don't know. Well, I can help you out here because I've been down this road before with both of my sons, uh, putting things together for them for Christmas presents or birthday presents or okay. what have you. And and I've got a little starting kit for you here that's uh, tried and true uh, that I feel uh, pretty confident in suggesting. Yeah. Because both my kids have now gone on to become DMs and they run their own games and they, they you know, they've got their own groups. So... Uh, this is this has been pretty good. I would get them the fifth edition player handbook. Okay, first of Wait, all, what does that mean? They, fifth edition? What does that? What well, does that mean? Fifth, they've had a number of editions, and the rules and the play changes a little bit from edition to edition. How, what do you mean? How, what, what does that mean? The play changes, like it, it, if like, I roll a five, the dragon bursts into flames. Oh, we got rid of that rule. Oh, I like yeah, the fourth yeah. edition better oh. when the dragon turned into flames. Well, they've, they've been trying to perfect the game with uh, with edition after edition, and okay. some of the rules change. Like sometimes you might roll for uh, uh, for for charisma, for example, whereas that might not have been an option in previous games, right? So they 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 expand what you're able to do. They add some categories. One thing they have done in subsequent categories that is very good, uh, or what one thing that I know my my I don't know whether this is official. But I know my boys are a little bit passionate about it is in terms of like predetermining behavior based on the race of the character, like uh, an orc, for example, all orcs are just assumed to be evil. OK, and my kids are like, I don't know that I like that, that we say, well, you were born an orc and therefore you're evil. Oh, right? I like so, your kid's attitude on that. Yeah. yeah. So they they've changed and and that's when you 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 take your own spin on this stuff. So okay. even though like the fifth edition doesn't have that mentality, you just enter into it. It's how you play it, right? Right. Uh, so the it's first how, is that kind of like house rules for Monopoly? Like in our exactly. house, when we play Monopoly, if you do yeah. this, then you get three hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. If you if you get really far into it, they call it home brew. You you're home brewing a character or you're home brewing uh, a rule set. Oh, wow. uh, but okay. that's that's way down the line. I, the, and and here's the deal: you can buy a D and D starter kit, but what happens is uh, it, a lot of it is condensed. It's like buying the expurgated version of a book or a condensed version. Uh, you, okay. you, you get kind of a smaller monster manual and and that sort of thing. And really. Uh, what what I found was is that once it, it kind of took root with them, I was buying the the same book again, but the full twice, version, but the bigger version. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I I would I would suggest getting the fifth edition player handbook, okay. also a fifth edition monster manual, just the full because that's all the fun anyway. I mean, you're gonna I think you get a smaller monster manual with the starter kit, uh, if I remember right. Uh, but just get the get, get the monster manual. That's that's got all the fun creatures that you're going to experience. Okay. Uh, and if you'd like a module uh, for for like your first time out, uh, my kids uh, I, I, I swear by one called the Curse of Strad. It's S T R A H D. And okay. they said it's it's far and away the the most fun to play, especially for a first time player. 
Okay. 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 So now you've got these three books and you've kind of got the start of uh, learning the game from there. That player's handbook is going to walk you through uh, how to play and so forth. The monster manual is going to give you a lot of ideas on what to go up against. Uh, uh, there's and now now you get to trick it out do, with all kinds of stuff. Do I have to buy like I see some people play where it's the equivalent of all these little plastic army men on a table. Like <gasps> do you have to next do, do you have my to buy list. all that nonsense? Yeah, that's next on my list. Okay. Uh, so I I love the little uh, the little miniature figures. All right. You can and you can get you can do this a number of different ways. You can get little tokens. In fact, it's not a bad idea to get a package of tokens just because eventually if you go with the little mini miniature figures, you're going to be fighting three wolves, for example, or three orcs, and you only have, you know, one figure. So, right. you know, tokens you can use to just represent any number of different things. And they're just like little uh, little coins types shaped and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that sort of thing. But I, me get a package of miniature figures you know those little they're i i think they're made out of pewter or some kind of small metal back in the day i know they were made out of pewter i don't know what they're made out of now but these little miniature because also then you can if you want later on you can uh you can you can paint them if you want and that can be i know your family likes that kind of stuff you sure, know? so sure. so i would get the little miniature figures even if this kid doesn't end up using them so much I think they're so much fun. And and you can get a couple of, of interesting sets uh, very reasonably. So get the little miniature figures. Of course, this kid's going to need dice. And you're going to buy dice 110 different times uh, because oh, really? you never own just one set of dice. You're, there's always, oh, now I want the, the red sparkly ones. Now I want these over oh, okay. here. Not with because the drop. they do a different function, but because they are different colors and looks they're and stuff. They're just fun. Okay. It's just but they fun. all like every so time I've seen a set of dice, they they all seem to have like six sets of dice or seven. So I don't know what they are. How many how many dice are in the in the set of D and D dice? Oh gosh, I don't know the number off the top of my head. Uh, but like there's all there's a, there's like the six sided, the eight sided, the this sided, the that sided, ten sided. Uh, they've got you get a bunch of them in in a in a package, and it's kind of standard. You get all okay. the same ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're gonna buy dice over and over and over again. Just buy get one. Uh, uh, you know, take a guess and, and have some fun uh, with it. But just know, and, and by the way, they're like easy little gifts, stocking stuffers stocking for years to come. Yeah, okay. Little, little okay. something for the birthday. Here's a new set of dice. So get some dice. Oh, now, now here's where you start to have some fun. Uh, I would get, they sell uh, like, they're basically maps for D&D, but it's a whiteout board. Oh, or, uh, that's not a whiteout fun. board, so you can, uh, you dry erase like board. And, and so a, you could say, here where the monster's coming, you draw arrows, like here the monster's yep. coming this way, or you... Oh, and okay. it's all dry erase, so you can do it over and over and over and again. And that's you if make, you don't own the army men? That's if you just want to use arrows? Oh, no, and, you put the army men on the, on the, on the board. Because it's, got, oh, a, it's oh, okay. got a grid, it's got a grid on it. And the whole thing with D&D is you move so many places. It it, uh, it, 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 it So you kind of keep the game a little bit true. My character can move three spaces per turn, for example. Right, right, right. So right. he can't run from one area to the other. He can only go three spaces at a time. Well, can I ask you, because do you remember how in the 50s or maybe even into the 60s, there were those guys that like did model trains and they would build the whole world in their garage for a model train. And there's like, well, I've got the snow area over here and I've got the, oh, and the train goes around and look and I stop it. I've seen online people building whole like 
table rooms of like, these oh, yeah. are the mountains of Black Loon, and over here is the Lake of Lacrosse, and you know you don't want. And they're building a whole thing for their little army men. Is that yeah. required, or does that just make it more fun if it's there's a whole no, physical that, thing? That's when you really get serious about it, okay, or you really okay. you know that you can you can. Because I didn't know how much away. I was about to spend on this one. No, like, no. Okay. And as a matter of fact, like like so far, everything that I've said up until the map. Uh, you kind of need, but now okay. I'm talking about really tricking this out for well, a Christmas present. Let me ask you, how, how much is all the early stuff? Like, what am I looking at? Fifty bucks? Am I looking at a hundred bucks? Like, how much oh, is? Oh uh... gosh, you know what? I haven't priced it in a while, but I, I'd have to stop and and bring up Amazon. But you know, the books are going to be twenty dollar range if I remember right. Oh, okay, not too bad. Yeah. So you know, they're not terrible. The dice is is going to be very. By reasonable. the way, great margins for them because I'm assuming all that's black and white, and oh, that's a good business. Oh, well, I I got I don't remember. Remember, I'm gonna have to. I, I'd have to take a look, but overall, you're right. They're great margins. And does the well, I, I know. I know. I'm asking a lot of questions. Does the does the monster manual get updated? And how do new monsters get added? Uh, because new new monsters are being like imagined at, at different times. But yeah, it they they update it over time. Yeah, but by by who is that? Like fans submit them, or is there some writer going? Now there's the three legged crocolox that he he. <laughs> it, you can only kill him with French toast. Is there like a writer coming up with them, or what is? I I think that uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't like know. Th- if that's someone's gig to come up with monsters, that's pretty fun. Yeah, no, that'd be a good gig to have. So let me let me finish this out real oh, sure, quick sure, sure. so Sorry. I can so I can give you a, a, the, the the rest of it. I'm going to so if you get dice, if you want to make and, and by the way, this is if you don't do all this for Christmas, uh, you put this uh, shuffle it right over to the birthday list. That's yeah. what I do with my oh, kids. So am I am I kind of committing to this the way I had to do with Pokémon where I'm like, "Oh shit, I'm in for a couple hundred bucks over the next couple of years." Is that is that what's about bit, to happen to little me? Little bit, little bit. It's it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not like bowling By the where way, you can just that, go up and rent your shoes. Well, I think we can admit as web cartoonists, the margins yeah. on the Pokemon business are freaking oh. insane. Yes. They're making so much money off of a printed piece of paper. It's it's yeah. ridiculous, the invented value of that in terms of market perceived value. Anyway, keep and, going. And keep that's going. perceived value. Okay, so if you're going to get some dice and you want to make it a little bit extra nice, get, yeah. get you, there's all kinds of different dice holders, right? I'm sorry. Uh, so, and they're, they're, they're just holders that you put your dice in. And, and Scott, if you go to the Table Titans website. What do you mean website, hold my dice? Like just a, a bag to hold dice? It's like a special bag or a special little uh, package. Or you can have a little treasure chest that you keep your dice in. You can have a oh, little Oh, for castle. fuck's sake, a treasure chest. I'm sorry to cut. Seriously, but, Dave, what? I'm telling you, uh, write it down. This stuff makes excellent birthday gifts. Uh, have people not heard of a Ziploc bag? What the heck? A, a treasure <laughs> no, chest. A, no, you can't walk in. If you're going to be playing, remember, this is this is all about doing it with your friends. You can't just walk in with a paper Ziploc bag. You got to have a little dice holder. So have wait a, a minute. Panache. People walk, like grown adults walk in and be like, look at my new treasure chest that I hold my dice in. Dude, you have no idea. I guarantee you, Scott uh, Scott Kurtz from Table Titans <laughs> has sold these by the gross. Well, He's God got bless a little, him for doing it then. That's great Good he's got him. a little dice holder that looks like uh, a beholder which is a creature with oh, a, that's uh, like cute. 10 yeah. eye yeah, that's, that, that's the eyeball thing yeah right yeah yeah to, wait to their credit by the way that's like the one kind of trademarky creature that they supermarket and own right yeah because yeah. even i who don't know anything know about the eyeball creature yeah okay yeah. so here's 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 another one i'm just going to suggest and I, and i'm going to and go to scott's website over at tabletitans.com get them an adventure journal 
Okay. An adventure journal. So okay. You can download what when you play D and D, you you got a character sheet that you fill in with a pencil all of your character stats and stuff. All right. Yeah. And you can download these as a PDF. And do you, do you just whole cloth create those stats, or how do you do it? You got to roll for the stats, so you go oh, okay. through. That makes more sense. Yeah, okay. and and you make them up as you know as you go along. Because otherwise, otherwise it would be like when my little one wanted to play superheroes, and they were always like, "And I have laser beams, and I can fly, right, and I have." Right. You're like, all right, all right. I guess I'm losing this boat in superhero battle. Um, okay, so you have to roll for it. That makes more sense. So this adventure, this adventure journal has the character sheets inside of it, as okay. well as things like. Uh, a sheet to fill in your inventory when you're adventuring and you pick up some gold or some treasure chests of your oh, own. that's fun. It's got your gear and you fill it all in and I think they've got enough for like five characters uh, in here, but it also has your spells. Do people do people ever lie in in in, uh, in D&D? What's that? Do they lie? Yeah. Do they ever like write in like, oh, I have a plus five sword or whatever and they I, don't have I one? I guess you could try, except the, a good DM is going to catch you and punish you for something like that. It's like, okay, yes, you've got a plus size sword and you fell into a pit. Uh, but it's got all this, this adventure journal. I bought these for my kids. They absolutely went nuts over them. I ended up buying them like year after year, like a new adventure journal. And then they fill it in with their new characters and new adventures. Well, now, can I ask you, because this is where I, I how much of D&D is just you doing voices or is that not allowed? You're, are you supposed to do oh, voices or you're not you supposed to do voices? You can get super creative because at the end, of, and, and as a matter of fact, so I got to tell you, this morning we did a little pre-show and you said, hey, we might be talking about a, a building a D&D starter kit. So okay. I immediately opened up my group chat that I've got with my boys and I said, hey, what's the perfect uh, starter kit and so a lot of the stuff is from them and they have all in fact they're both <laughs> if later on and, and if this takes with your kid and they yeah. want to uh, DM their own games they both uh, offered uh, uh, on their own to uh, jump on discord and do like a one shot with them and just walk them through how to how to DM Right. So that's on the table as well from the Brothers Geiger. But what that's they both nice. said about and it opened up a, 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 an argument that went on for hours over, you know, over editions okay. and books and what version and all this other stuff. But the bottom line, they said, they said to tell your, your kid this. And this comes from Max. Fun is more important than rules. There's a lot of rules in DMT. Okay, good. That's what I was sort of curious about. Because I, yeah. I would want to be a sarcastic, jokey uh, person in the yes. game. And I don't know if that's allowed or not. Like it's it, it, in my at my table, it's encouraged. You know, it, it's 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 all about. It's not. It's, really is it about, about the people you play with? Like the, the, yeah. the moods can change table to table. It's kind about. Of thing? It's not about the story. It's about the experience. It's about sitting down with your friends and having sure. fun. The story is secondary. The story sure. is secondary. Really, what it's about is. It's all about that experience. And so you build this character, right? And and yes. they, they I, I'm, I'm assuming they ostensibly get better the more you play them, right? They get stronger yeah. and smarter yeah. and, and <laughs> more handsome. And then, and then sometimes you put a lot of work into a character and they have all kinds of adventures and then they go up against a dragon and they die.
Wait, what? You can lose your character? If they run out of life points, they can they can die. And, and then, then what do you do? Do you just have to sit and watch your friends play and you got your second knuckle up your nose as you're sitting on the side of the table? If you don't if you don't have a healer that's able to bring you back or good lord a necromancer <laughs> in the group, you're uh, you're done. And and then you can roll a new character and the DM says and they stop at the town and a new character walks in and their name is Flint Thornbottom and and he's a dwarf. No blah, way! Blah, blah. So then yeah. you have to you have to flip pages of, of Scott's Adventure Journal and start, yep. a, whole new and start one. a new one. Yep, absolutely. That would suck. And everybody else is like super leveled up, and you're like, oh, yeah. I've got my wooden sword made out of twigs. Great. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Well, wait a minute. So, so someone has to be a healer. There's got to be someone in your group that's a healer. That's their it's whole job. It's good to have a healer. It's good to have a healer because then when you get low on points, how boring though is that as a job? Like you, you don't get to fight or do anything with dragons. You're just like I'm standing in the back with my penicillins. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on your. It depends on what you bring to the part. I mean, listen. There's also a, a, a part called a, a bard. And their superpower is like their playing job is music to get drunk or something. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 to pursue some of the townsfolk. But but you can play this character and make them as imaginative and as 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 wonderful as you want. And it's it's like that old saying about the theater: "There's no small parts; there's just small players." Uh-huh. It's the same thing in D anD. d If you bring something to that role of the healer, you can have a great time. But how would you, like, if you walk into a room and there's a, like a dragon, I don't know what the beasts are, like a beholder or a dragon, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, how did, what the hell does the healer do? The well, healer rolls to run away. Like, what does the healer do? <laughs> You'd stay back towards the back. Uh, and, and, and I, I, I don't, I, uh, And you're just you throwing try, antibiotics at people. Here, keep going. Yeah, yeah. You take these you, antibiotics and. You reach into your magic bag of holding of antibiotics and you, uh, you hurl. Uh, the healer rolls for laparoscopic surgery. Oh, I'll help out when the dragon goes. <laughs> yeah. well, all right. On that note, I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to a confused comic lab, the show about still not understanding D&D and making comics. And doing an 18-minute cold open and making a living from comics. <laughs> oh, my God. We are 18 minutes 18 in. 18 minutes Holy in. Crap. We haven't started the show. I still have so many questions about D&D. <laughs> Holy we shit. We may have to do a special D&D episode where, oh where we God. bring somebody right. in smart. You know I'm what? I'm not we... joking. I legit have a ton of questions. I, I, wasn't, I didn't realize 18 minutes had passed. Holy crap. You know what? Let's do some time. Bring in my, bring in my sons. They would absolutely love to do an episode. <laughs> and they'll just they'll walk you through everything. Oh, my God. All right, and, uh, and making a living from comics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. Oh my God, did Matt have the music running this whole time? I have so many oh questions God. now how this we, opening we, is going to sound. We have to pay Lord. the band overtime. I'm... <laughs> and I'm his friend Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this episode of This Day in D&D is brought to you by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. And a reminder that this show is going out live to our Patreon pals over at patreon.com slash comic lab. You could be watching the live stream right now and see my confused face as Brad tries to describe what D&D is. <laughs> and there's also the live concurrent chat. And we're waving to the folks over in the chat right now. And then, of course, if you miss the show for Life, Lover, Learning, it is archived every week so you can watch the live stream recorded. And Brad, what do we got for everybody this week aside from uh, confusion about beholders? 
Oh, well, listen, even though it took us 18 minutes to get through the cold open, our first question is only going to take me 30 seconds to read. So we're going to get some time back. It's a short question, but it's got some long ramifications. Here it is. Ready for this? How do you tell the difference between imposter syndrome and needing to make a better comic? Oh, imposter syndrome and needing to improve your work. Okay. Yes. With the thought, and for anyone that might not remember, because I always get confused myself, imposter syndrome, Brad, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you're doing good work. Maybe you're doing great work. Uh, uh, You're you're certainly doing the level that you're you should be at. You're doing the work and you're getting done and it's and it's working with audiences. But there's a part of your heart that feels like somehow you have fooled the world that everyone else is doing good work. But you, Brad Geiger, or you, Dave Kellett, are failing. You're not. uh, Once people discover that you're an imposter, it's all going to come tumbling down like Jenga. And and it's all a, a house of cards versus you're not really doing good work and and no one's telling you and you're and you're and you're you got to keep working at it. You got to have a better editorial eye. Here's yeah. the thing. I think to be able to distinguish the difference, you kind of have to recognize that when you're creating comics, you're doing three roles, right? The first role is the artiste. That's the writer. That's the artist. That's the person that creates. That's the spark, right? You're mm-hmm. drawing, you're writing, you're crafting a world, you're building the characters, all that sort of You're getting the storyline going. Oh, it's great. But then you step into a second role and that's the editor. And that's trimming down the, the text. That's changing the way. That's trying to angle the story in a better way. That's that's reframing how you're drawing a panel. That's redoing how you're, how you're laying out a page or how you're going to do a book. And then I think the third role that you have is this imaginary reader in your mind. And for those that are joining us on Comic Lab over uh, on Patreon, you know mm-hmm. that we oftentimes do writer's room and you can hear Brad and I saying, that's a great joke, but the reader is going to interpret it this way or right. the average reader is going to misinterpret it this way. And so we put ourselves in the shoe of a reader. And I think those second two roles, those of the imaginary editor and the imaginary reader yeah. are how you know the difference between imposter syndrome and uh, and actually needing to improve your work. What do you think, Brad? How do you think that works out? Uh, here, okay. So here's what I think about this. Imposter syndrome is this feeling that you don't belong in the room, right? Like no, Mm -hmm. whatever room that is, if it's, if it's like an imaginary room full of uh, web cartoonists, you don't belong in that room. You're not good enough for, or for whatever reason you don't belong. And, uh, or, or if that room is a, is a physical room, like an awards ceremony, you don't belong in that room. Imposter syndrome is this feeling that you don't belong in the room. And I'm going to tell you that uh, having imposter syndrome is, is, is a question of kind of convincing yourself that you do belong in the room. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to still try to improve your comic. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, in other yeah. words, in other words, it, it, you can you can have. You can have an internal need to continually do better without feeling like an imposter, right? And and, yeah. and I, I I I can walk into any room, at least comics related. I can walk into any room uh, and feel like I belong in that room, and still realize that I need to do better, that I need to constantly improve. Can I tell you your framing of this or your yeah. reframing of this is actually really good because what you're doing is 
you're separating out how you feel from what yes. the work needs. And that's really smart because yes. frankly, it doesn't matter how you feel, no right. matter how you feel, you've still got to work, whether you're an imposter or whether your work needs work, you both have right. to work on the comic in both situations. Is that what yeah. you're saying? So like, yeah. in a way it's a little bit like, yes, you have feelings and those are valid, but no matter how it stands, you still have to work on your comic, right? Yeah. And I, I think some that's of this, okay. and, and that's why I wanted to rephrase that because I think sometimes and part of this is social media where we're not able to really talk about things in depth. Imposter syndrome has become kind of a hashtag, right? Yeah. And yeah. people confuse actual imposter syndrome, which is I don't feel like I belong with I don't think I'm good enough. OK, I I, or, like or I, I don't think oh, let me oh, let me rephrase that. They confuse it with I don't think I belong with I don't think my work is good enough. Okay. I think I, I think I need to improve my quality. Can those you expand two, on that? Yeah. The, 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 those are two different things. Those are two okay, different things. Cause I, I like this thinking, but I want you to expand on that. What do you mean by that? So thinking that you don't belong, thinking that you're a fraud, thinking that you are a fake, that's a right. completely different thing than thinking that your work needs improvement. And again, it all goes back to realizing that you do belong in the room. That That is where imposter syndrome comes from, is this feeling that you don't belong with these other people that are doing the same thing that you are. And we always have to take a pause when we talk about imposter syndrome and differentiate it from situations where uh, there's certain groups that get shoved off to the margins uh, by people saying, well, hey, you don't belong here, right? Whether, whether, no matter what that group is, you've got it. You've got somebody saying, hey, you don't belong here. That's different than imposter syndrome. When you've got when you've got somebody trying to push you or your group into the margins, that's different than actual psychological imposter syndrome where you yourself think I don't belong here. So we've got to right. also put a differentiation between those two things because they're very different. Yeah, that and is talk different. about psychological Im imposter syndrome. And, it, and again, it's the difference between thinking you yourself think I'm not good enough to uh, be considered part of this group, which is one thing that's actual imposter syndrome and this broader topic that social media kind of lumps all this stuff in with where you think, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, 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 I am, I am where I am, but I need to get better. And I think my work has room for improvement. My, my joke writing needs to get better. My writing needs to get better. I need to get better at drawing anatomy. I need to get better at coloring. These are all valid uh, concerns that all artists, all cartoonists have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's different than imposter syndrome. And uh, it, knowing that distant difference, I think is a big part of getting on top of it. Imposter syndrome, again, is you thinking that you don't belong. That's very different than knowing that you belong and still realizing that you need to get better. Yeah. And I think a good example of that is probably some of the most famous cartoonists that have ever lived talking about like Watterson, Miyazaki, uh, yeah. uh, Schultz, um, you can name a, a couple of them where in interviews late in their career or later in their life, they still had imposter syndrome, but they demonstrably were producing 
not just good work, but world-class work, you know, yeah. wor- work that will probably long outlast their own life, which is, which is, God, we could only hope we could have that, right? And yet they still, there's a part of a lot of cartoonists, we know this from again and again and again from history, that they right. still feel the imposter syndrome. And that's why I think you're right to, to clarify that, that it's your feelings about yourself, your feelings yes. about where you are placed are very separate from how your work, both subjectively and objectively, is viewed. And that might be a requirement of those 10,000 hours is that you just get better at separating. This is how I feel about myself. And a lot of that yeah. is unfair versus this is about, this is how I know my work actually needs uh, to be placed. You know, it either needs to work on this level, but it's also very good about this level. Yeah. Well, listen, the, the one thing that is uh, optimistic and, and there's a bright side to all of this, and that is the answer to both of those questions is very similar. In other words, what do I do if I have imposter syndrome? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what do I do if my work just isn't good enough? The answer to both of those questions are exactly the same. <laughs> keep going and keep trying your best to improve. That's the answer to imposter syndrome. And because the first part that's unspoken in that is stay in the room, keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't let somebody push you out of the room. It, it even if that person is yourself, mm-hmm. stay in the room mm-hmm. and keep going, keep improving, know that we're all on a journey. Some of us may have had a, a little bit of a head start. Some, some people uh, just seem like they take to it more naturally. That's fine. That's fine. Like, listen, I was, I was not one of those people. I, I was somebody who had to, had to keep working at it and working at it and working at it and come from behind. Uh, but I stayed in the room. And, yeah. and the important thing is the answer to both of those things is keep going. You're going to be okay. You're going to keep improving. You're going to keep uh, uh, striving. And sooner or later, uh, you're going to feel, I, I think, I, 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 it, I, unless, again, you're like one of these people that really have it wrapped up in their brains. Uh, sooner or later, you're going to belong in that room. Yep. And I think that's the perfect button on it. So let me ask something that I think will help um, uh, I think it would help. Brad, you've been a professional cartoonist for, for over two decades now. Oh, yeah. You've, you've been nominated for an Eisner. Do you, Brad, still feel imposter syndrome? No. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> what do you want, oh, what do you want from oh, me? Hell. You ruined my point. You never no. feel imposter syndrome. No. I oh, belong to hell with you. I oh, belong here. Jeez Louise. I belong I trying- here. Well, well, you I know what? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest. So we're going to we're going to go in a different direction because I just made this lecture to my uh, kids, uh, to my students this yeah. yesterday at University of the Arts. Uh, I said, oh, I, I'm doing the preamble to the to the lecture. And I go, oh, and today we're going to be talking about Christopher Booker and the seven plot types. Christopher Booker uh, has said that we there's only seven stories and we keep telling them over and over and over, changing the characters, changing the locations. I said, it's a great lecture. You're going to love it. I do it beautifully. And <laughs> a couple of these kids, of course, you know, chuckle. I said, and by the way, I've been doing this shit all semester long, right? And I said, stop. I said, I, I, I said, I know I do that for a little bit of a laugh, but I want you to know there's a method to my madness. I said, stop right there. When I tell you that I'm going to deliver an amazing lecture, uh, name me one other avocation in, uh, that gets asked to work for free as much as artists. 
You can't do it. You can't do it. If you try to ask a plumber to work for free, you're going to be lucky to walk away with all your teeth. You, you can't ask a doctor to work for free. You don't ask a lawyer to work for free. Artists are the only people that get asked to work for free. And the reason for that is they're not able to look somebody in the eye and say, my work is good because you can't say pay me until you say my work is good. And I said, part of my job as a professor here at the university is to model for you better behavior. So when you hear me talk about my work, you'll never hear me talk about, uh, oh, I think I'm pretty good or I I, I hope you're going to like. No, I'm going to look you in the eye and say, this is good. You're going to like it because you can't be a professional artist in this world, if you can't say that. So no, I don't have, I, I, I might have the other thing. I might have Dunning-Kruger, that which is the other side of the uh, imposter syndrome uh, uh, coin where you think you're much better than you actually are. But I, I don't struggle with imposter syndrome. I belong in that room. And, and if I were to be anything else, I can't be a good model to my students. You know what? I was going to make a point about how I swing sometimes wildly between egotism, egoism mm-hmm. and uh, and imposter syndrome. And I do. But your point is so strong that I think we should end with that, because artists all need that jolt of confidence to say, no, the work that I have has value. Yeah. I belong in this world. I the, the things that I am doing are good. And I think we should leave it there, because any point that I was going to make is not as strong as what you just said. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. Okay, Brad, so we got a big update for everybody for this week. Uh, last week, as everyone remembers, we we talked for a good chunk of time about Be Real, which is rocketing up the downloads. Teens love it. 20-somethings love it. And Brad and I were very excited to to dive in, and we did. Yes. And Brad, what is our current status on Be Real? We are real disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> we're real over it. In fact, real I was it? listening. I was going back and listening to that show where I said, I don't know what the play is, but the next play is going to be made on be real. I want you to know, I think I was completely wrong. <laughs> uh, I, there's so many things. Uh, there's so many things going on there that really, I, I, I think I think uh, that a lot of people are going to find it very fun. I was over it very quickly. By the third time I posted, I was over it completely. Yeah, uh, me too. I think I think a lot of people are pitching 
uh, ways that cartoonists could use this to promote. I'd love some of those people to actually download the app and use it. And actually do it. Yeah, show us how it's done. <laughs> because I think once they actually download the app and open it up, uh, they're going to see that a lot of their ideas just aren't going to hold water. It, it, it's just, it, it, I, there's... There- <laughs> There's, I, I'm telling you, I'm 180 degrees from where I was last week. Yeah, I, I will say this. I, first of all, I agree with you. I'm, I already, actually, I already uninstalled uh, Be Real from my phone, right? I'm getting close. Uh, and, and so here's the thing. I actually stick to our original point that I think that Be Real is demonstrative of the fact that people are tired with overly staged, overly presented social media, that current social media is frankly failing people, which is why Be Real is taking off with teens and 20 somethings. I get that, I still think that's true. I just gotta say, and I don't know if it's subjective just to me, after doing it for four times, it prompted me the fourth time, like, hey, it's time to be real. And I literally was like, ah, go to hell. I don't want to, yeah. no, I'm not doing yeah. this. That was my response. And I and so it, I think it's just not for me, but I, I am, like Brad, I really challenge people that think they can make a marketing presence on Be Real work. I want you yeah. to show us how you're doing it because yep. I tried a lot of brainstorming on my own uh, to think about how I could do it. There's no good way to do it that I can think of. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That just means I could not think of one after days of brainstorming about it. And if you do show us and you can, you can friend us, we'll friend you right back guys. So we can, you can show us how you're no, doing it. I've already it. uninstalled. You can't do it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be the Guinea pig, but it, it, listen, if you show us this amazing way that you're going to do it, uh, uh, it, We've heard people say, oh, I'm going to carry around a cardboard cutout of my character. Uh, I'm going to carry it around with me 24 seven. And then I'm going to put it in my wallet. And then every time, uh, you know, we're going to do that, I'm going to whip it out and, and take a picture. If, 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 if you show us that you're doing that and that it gets results, I'll mm-hmm. be the biggest one telling you what a big dummy I was, just like I'm doing today, telling you what a dummy I was last week when I was saying I thought there was some there there. Uh, I'll, I'll be the biggest one saying I was wrong and you were right. But I'm telling you, I here's 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 why I think that it's not uh, that this is going to be this is going to be kind of like in the level of Snapchat, Dave, which is okay. really very popular, very, mm-hmm. very uh, uh, used by a lot of people, uh, but has absolutely. Absolutely no perceivable value for people like us. It's going to be very close to Snapchat. Uh, the reason I don't think it's going to take off an awful lot to the degree uh, that TikTok, for example, did, where it very quickly became a behemoth. Mm-hmm. I was going through Be Real, and they've got a Discover section of Be Real, just like they do on on like TikTok. And I'm going through the photos, and one photo is more boring than the one before. It's it just kind of is, boring. isn't it? After a while, yeah. Yeah. Whereas on TikTok, you can open up TikTok and then close TikTok and realize that uh, you lost 25 minutes of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you, it's a time warp social media where you lose track of all time and you're you all of a sudden you you, you turn TikTok off and and the crickets are chirping and the moon is full. I feel like be real. If I was 18 or 19 and I had a phone and I didn't have a creative outlet, and I think that's the key part, I think be real would be really fun with my group of 20, yeah. 30 friends to be like sharing in high school. Like, hey, here's what I do. Because you would figure out new ways to stage it. I, I really do feel like it has value. It's just not for me. It's meant for small social groups of you know 20, 30, 40 people yeah. in your life in high school and college. I could see how that would be fun. I feel the way about be real, the way I feel about... um 
like Inktober is that if you don't have a creative outlet, Inktober is great for just prompting you to get moving. Just yeah. just be creative and share, right? In fact, mm-hmm. it's kind of like D&D. It's like you don't have a creative outlet, but you want to be creative with friends. Be Real is perfect for that, I feel yeah. like, you know? But if you have a creative outlet, you don't need Be Real. You don't need Inktober. You don't need, I don't know, you maybe don't yeah. need D&D. Is that it seems like I like to pour my creativity in something that I can share publicly as a finished product. But if you're 19, I see the value in Be Real. You just want to do some dumb photos and share them with your friends. I get it. That's fine. Uh, And frankly, I think it's a healthy alternative to Instagram and TikTok for them. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dave, do you have another update for us? I did, Brad. I wanted to share this one thing about numbers with you because I think it demonstrates uh, that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I had a cartoon this week uh, get retweeted by someone with 2.5 million followers, and that's a fair amount of followers. And uh, so the question I wanted to ask you, Brad, because they added me in the tweet so you could see my name in the tweet. They didn't do my website, which is unfortunate. That always helps. But they did put my handle, at Dave Kellett. And how many new followers, Brad, do you think I got from that tweet that went out to 2.5 million people? Okay, and this was on Twitter? It was on Twitter. So let's let's just use a little back of the envelope math. Uh, 10% of 2.5 million is 250,000. So yes. that's what I'm going to assume. Uh, the uh, algorithm showed. Actually actually, saw it, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, 10% actually saw it. Yeah. 10% actually saw it. Now you've got 10%. And what would 10% of now? Another thing to consider is uh, 10% of the, of, of that 10% of those 250,000 people, right? How many of them had retweets turned off? Do you know that setting right, where you can, you right. don't, you don't see retweets from a person. Yeah. So there's a person that, that immediately knocks off a couple 10,000 people. So let's, let's take 10, let's, let's take 10% of that. Let's, let's, let's combine people who had retweets, people who were just scrolling past people who just uh, were paying ancillary attention. Uh, yep. The phone was on, on the, on the side of the kitchen. So 10% of that brings you down to 25,000. Uh, now, uh, oh, you don't have to tell me who this person was, but was this another cartoonist or what? Give me no, that's a, a good question because the fandom, what this person's fandom was. The fan, yeah, that's a great question. The fandom was similar. It, it was a director of a Hollywood film who's known to be working in pop culture uh, uh, genre. So superheroes, fantasy, that kind of stuff. So not dissimilar from what Sheldon does in terms of, uh, you know, pop culture joking. But you're right to say that these were not necessarily people looking for comics. Right. Now, that's going to take a huge chunk. So I'm just going to go. I'm going to turn over all my cards. I'm going to say if you got 25 new followers. No, there's no way you got 25. You got half of that. You got 12 and a half followers. It was actually 13, but the one person uh, unfollowed. Un- unfollowed like, after immediately. a day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to say you got 12 new followers out of that. Okay. First of all, that's a great guess. I, b- b- kudos to you, by the way, for working out the math on that. Uh, and I'm going to flip over the cards. I actually got out of t- from a tweet going out to 2.5 million people. I got four new followers, Brad, from 2.5 million people. <laughs> So I, here's I was why still I wanted, three times as much, three times higher than I, I should have been. Yeah. Here's why I'm, here's why I bring that up. First of all, I've yeah. been doing uh, Sheldon now for 25 years and on social media for, I don't know, a decade such that I wasn't even disappointed. It just right. rolled over me. I was like, yep, four new followers that tracks. And because Brad and I have talked about this again and again and again, there is no magical uh, oh, the oh. gates of heaven opening in your career moment. 
it's all slow grains of sand dribbling down, right? Yeah. And so I, today I added four. Next week I'll add three. The, yeah. the week after that I'll add two. And it's it's a slow, consistent marathon pace, not a sprint pace. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It, it, we all have been trained by TV shows and movies and stories and narratives to, uh, to, to, to look forward to that day that the king taps his sword on both of yes. our shoulders and yeah. we become an official knight we become a real little boy. We, 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 you know, that, 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 the fat cat rolls up in the limousine, rolls down his window and says, I like your style, kid. You got moxie. Or like in the Muppet movie when, uh, what's his name goes, give him the standard rich and famous contract, you know, and they're like, hooray. And then they ruin yeah. the set. And yeah, then they're uh, rich yes. and famous. But instead, yeah, rich and fa- instead, instead what, what, go ahead. I'll cut you off. But instead, what your career is, is let's go back to that grains of sand that you were talking about. Uh, You're actually building a sandcastle, one grain of sand at a time. Your your job as a cartoonist, and, and and it's nowhere as sexy as being uh, turned into a real little boy by the blue fairy. But what you're doing is building a sandcastle, one grain of sand at a time by showing up day after day, after week, after month, after year, after decade. You're building this thing up one grain of sand at a time. Yeah, and that's that's actually a perfect comparison because when you're knighted, the king instantly gives you, you know, now you're you're the you have the castle of Devonshire and that's yours and you go live in it. The media, huge stone castle immediately yours, whereas we're doing this grain by grain by grain thing. And then there's also the fear that at any given point, there's this big wave can come in, knock the whole damn <laughs> yeah. thing over. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, there's no promises. There's no pro- or, or, you know, even even like if high tide doesn't come in, there might be a wave that just comes in and takes a chunk of your sandcastle away. You know, that's that, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. also possible, yeah. too. And there uh, goes advertising. Boom, yeah. Like a whole wing oh. of your castle gets knocked over. Yeah, yeah we've been there. But yeah. yeah, that's that. But that's what it is. That's what your job is. And that's why the sooner you you disabuse yourself of this notion of one of these days, somebody and we've all had that thought. Don't tell me that you haven't. We've mm-hmm. all had that thought that all it's going to take is one superstar to retweet me and yep. then because uh, because the only thing keeping me from success is that nobody has seen my comics. I haven't got yeah. enough eyeballs. I remember thinking that with Greystone in passionately. If I could just get this in front of enough people, that's all it's going to take. Then they can give me the standard rich and famous contract. Uh, wasn't going to work out like that for me. Nope. I know that for nope. a fact. I don't know anybody that that's worked out for. Instead, what this thing is, is you keep building it up one grain at a time. And that's why you better be really, really passionate about sand. Yeah. <laughs> you've you've got to love sand. You got to get yeah. sand in your teeth and love it. You got to get sand in your shorts and love it. You've got to be the biggest fan of sand in your life because there's days that you ain't going to get nothing but grit. And you know what? I want to do a slight before we move on from this yeah. update. I want to do one uh, addendum to this, which is I think there might actually be value in a retweet to 100 people. Then to Brad, when friends of mine, dear <sighs> friends of my life, who are in Avengers movies, who have retweeted Sheldon comics for me, right? Like, mm-hmm. not for me, but because they liked it. That didn't do shit for my life, right? Didn't change my career at all. Didn't give right. me a lot of followers. Didn't give me. But people that that have 100 followers, 200 followers, 300 followers. What's great about that is it's a smaller social network. 
they're probably knowing that person and know the value of their recommendations, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. And so in a weird I guess what I'm saying is it's one more thing that every little bit of, of spreading the news about your comic helps. Sometimes the person that gets you 3 million follow, you know, gets it in front of 3 million people that day doesn't do shit for you. But the person that that has a follower base of 100 of whom they all know, they're all you know people in their life personally. Sometimes that can be just as helpful. It's weird. It's weird how that can work. You know, yeah, just just to put a cap on your cap and a hat on a hat. Do sure. you remember I came on the show? Uh, it had to have been a year or two ago when this similar thing happened to me. Somebody retweeted me and it, and it went super viral all over the place. And I could see all the likes and all the all the retweets adding up. But that person hadn't included my twitter handle oh you, god yeah do you remember course. that yes I, yes i think i picked up four followers that time too yeah yeah you know what i'm I saying mean, you I, know I, what i'm trying to yeah. say to you it yeah, just it, it just didn't matter it just didn't matter one way or the other yeah 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 because I, 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 so, I remember i remember just absolutely grinding my teeth during the show saying if only they had included my handle i again i fell right into that thinking just as much as i'm kind of uh, 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 uh saying against it right now uh, yeah <laughs> i fell right into it i'm like if only they had done that if only they had done it i might have gotten five it, it, I mean, it, just to reiterate the point, to put a hat on the hat on the hat on the hat. Again, it's it's magical thinking of hoping that yes. someone or someone or something will come along and yeah. turn your pumpkin into a carriage and then it will all be wonderful, you know, and that yeah. does uh, demonstrably that doesn't happen. Uh, to most uh, every cartoonist you've ever met, it's been a slow, consistent, yeah. grinded growth that is frankly stronger in the long run because those quick follows can also become quick unfollows. So yeah. the slow, consistent uh, gaining of followers. Anyway, let's move on to our next question, Brad. I've got this coming in from Rodan over at patreon.com slash comic lab says, Hey, Brad and Dave, I'm considering launching a Kickstarter of my comic. It's been running for three years now with 365 updates so far, which is more than enough to fill a book or three. But listening to your show, I know that first comes the crowd, then comes the funding. That's really good. I'm not looking for a magic number, but instead I'm interested in rough conversion rates for your webpage, social media, et cetera, based on your personal experience. So I can very roughly plan for how high to shoot in my goals, et cetera. Love your show and thank you for all the laughs and amazing advice that helped me be a better creator. So Brad, this is great because this comes right after a update where we talked about how 2.5 billion people brought four new followers. Yeah. So uh, Redan is not asking for a magic number, Brad, but they would <laughs> like to know the rough conversion rates for web pages, social media, et cetera, into people that'll back a Kickstarter. What yeah. do you got for them? I, I, you know what? I got a big goose egg for him because the ans the actual answer to your question, the actual honest answer to your question is that there is no answer to your question. And anybody that tells you different is probably trying to sell you something. Okay. There's yeah. it, because here's the thing. Let's, 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 let's pretend, let's take one of them. How many of my Twitter backers can I guesstimate how many of them can I figure might uh, back this Kickstarter? There's no answer to that question because it's not about the number. Again, you what have I told you in the past? You don't measure social media by the people you measure by the passion. Right. right so right. let's say you've got uh, 5000 Twitter back, uh, Twitter followers. Well, it does. That's a meaningless number, because what I need to know is how engaged are they? 
How, like Dave just got done saying, I'd rather have a retweet from somebody with 100 backers or 100 followers that is a real well-targeted retweet than yeah. this person with 2.5 million. Well, just to be clear, I'm not saying I want that. I'm just that, saying that some sometimes <laughs> that can have value. I, I still want the 2.5 million to try. Of you course, know? Don't get of me course. Wrong. You still want to take that shot. But still, yeah. here's the deal. that It's all about engagement. And there's no way that, that you can really measure how passionate your audience is uh, because that's, a, that's an unknown quantity, yeah. right? I, I'm going to say this as someone who has two titles is that yeah. the the readership, I've said this before, but it's worth, it bears repeating. The readership of Sheldon is far larger than the readership of Drive, yeah. right? Um, both on social media, on MailChimp, on website traffic, in just years of, of, of having followed it, right? Even in terms of devotional years of following it. It's just a bigger audience, right? But Drive with its smaller audience it's fewer years running. It's it's less than half in age as Sheldon, uh, but with a smaller audience on Mailchimp, on social media, and on my website, it brings in far more money than Sheldon does, right? Uh -huh. And that's just speaking to Brad's point. You can't predict, and in in many ways, that's the whole point of Kickstarter. Kickstarter is the immediate market testing in a a semi risk free way mm -hmm. of how much will the market bear, how much will the market support this project, and right. so. To kind of answer your question. So even though you're saying I don't want a magic number, what you're asking for is a magic formula. Like I yeah. just want, just give me the magic formula that'll spit just out a number. Something. Yeah. Kickstarter is the magic formula. Kickstarter right. will tell you in real concrete demonstrative ways yes. with, a, with a check at the end of it, how much the market will bear. So the, yeah. then the question is, well, what number do I set my goals at? And that's a fair right. question, but it's a yeah. different question. That's based on what is your time worth? That's mm -hmm. based on what you need to get out of this project to make the physical book worthwhile for you to do. That's different than saying how much will the how much will my social media and my website traffic, how much will that generate for me? Yeah. No, you're going to say, look, if I'm going to do all the work on a book, if I'm going to ship all these products, if I'm going to spend a month, month and a half laying out the book, designing mm -hmm. the cover, uh, going out for quotes to printers, uh, warehousing this book, packaging them all up, figuring out a, a fulfillment system. How much is that worth to me? How much profit do I need to make for that? And then set the goal according to that. Right. And then hope that <laughs> you have built up the crowd such that you reach the funding in the crowdfunding. Yeah. Don't you think, Brad? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, your first Kickstarter is kind of a leap of faith. You yeah. don't you yeah. don't really know whether you've got the audience engagement to make it go. And 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 again, there's no way of knowing it, it, and and there's also no shame in failing right especially if it's your first kickstarter if you yeah. don't meet that goal the, the, and and if you don't meet that goal there are worse things there and one of those worse things is meeting the goal uh, but you didn't you didn't do your math math right you didn't right. account for all the money you were going to need to actually print the books and actually ship them and stuff like that and actually pay your taxes and actually yeah. Yeah. oh yeah for your taxes in there too and the 10% that kickstarter is going to take off the top yep. all yep. of that stuff uh that that's actually worse than failing is to is to do this Kickstarter with, uh, you know, with a lower amount of money than mm -hmm, it actually mm -hmm. takes. Uh, uh, so here's here's what I'm going to tell you. 
that first Kickstarter, when you get to that point of saying, I think I'm ready, you know, this person said, I've got enough content. I've got enough pages for the book. Uh, I just want to know that um, I'm going to be okay. Nobody can tell you that you just got to, you just got to wing it. You got to jump out there. And if you get swatted down, you get swatted down. You you yeah. shake it off uh, after, and then you come back with that free market research and get ready for maybe next year and get ready to try it again. And if if this feels like an unhelpful answer to you, I'll be honest. the The state of things that we're in right now with Kickstarter and Patreon existing is so infinitely better than the way we had it in the early 2000s where brad and i had to roll the dice and guess on how many books we should print Mm -hmm. i know because i i printed my first book by two thousand more than i needed which let's say it was four dollars a unit that was you know eight thousand bucks that at at a time where i really needed eight thousand bucks it was and it took me a long time to recoup that not a loss but that sort of deferred income and uh, so this is such a better system to use Kickstarter as a real world, real time test of how, how your readers will translate into income. Mm-hmm. So uh, do the math, as Brad said, and then pad it a little bit, because there, yeah. I swear to God, there's going to be expenses that you are not anticipating and time sinks that you're not anticipating. Pad it a little bit. Set that goal. So if, if you've done all the math and, and do it three times over, you've done all math and it says you need to bring in eight thousand dollars. Set your goal for nine, set your goal for 10, and then work your butt off for those 30 days to, to translate that crowd into, into backers. And if you don't make it, as Brad said, even that is a lesson as to, well, maybe the next time, could I do it for eight? I'm not right. sure. Or do I keep growing my audience for another two right. years and try right. again for 10 in two years, which is probably the better way to do it. Yeah. Um, so what I'm getting at is, is that the, the magic formula, the magic number, they they become real world numbers in the process of a 30 day Kickstarter. And that's the best way you could play this, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. You're just going to have to take if it, if it makes you feel any better. It's the oldest question in web comics. It literally is the oldest. Oh, question yeah. How in many t-shirts comics. do I make? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and how many page views do I need before I can offer the T-shirt? Right. It, it, right. It's always been. It's always how many page views before I'm an official cartoonist. It, yeah. We all yeah. we measured everything in page views back then. How many page views do I need? You're literally asking the oldest question in web comics. And I'm telling you, better people than Dave and I have tried. Uh, some of them have come up with some very very convincing things that was at the end of the day was all smoke and mirrors. The fact of the matter is, is that nobody can actually tell you this it's it's just you're you're gonna have to take a jump you're gonna have to take a leap uh and and be confident enough to know that if it doesn't work it doesn't work you won't be the first person to have that happen to either and then you come back strong that's right all right well, brad let's move into our last question for the show yeah. this comes in from mick and mick writes hi brad and dave first of all thank you for making the podcast twice a week i look forward to it every time and it has made a difference in my work thank you for that mick that's fantastic nice. i live and work in the netherlands where i publish books for kids or comic books for kids i started this in 2012 with the first six comic books i'm still selling the same comic books today and making new ones when stock runs out i order a new print run I now have 25 comic books. That's fantastic. Mm. These books are bought by libraries, parents, schools, and remedial teachers who help children who have difficulty to read. Back in 2012, I chose to set the price at 9.95 in euros a book. 
But lately, due to the overall rise in costs, the profits have been significantly lower. I'm more or less forced to raise the selling price of my books, like the competition has done. I'm planning to do so in January. I know that Brad has said about pricing, you can never go up, or sorry, you can never go up, always go down. Right. But after 10 years of having the fixed price of $9.95, I feel I have to. I'm planning the new book price of $12.50 to take effect starting on the 1st of January in the coming year. My question is this, how would you go about communicating this new price? Or wouldn't you? Would you make a distinction in reaching out to loyal readers, customers, comic book shops, web shops, et cetera? Would you give them a chance in December to buy the books for the old price? I'm curious to think what you can work best in a situation like this. Thank you in advance for your thoughts. Okay, Brad, this is a yeah. really specific and good question that I don't think we've ever answered on the show before. What do you got yeah. from Mick in terms of having to raise his price or their price, which I think is a valid, a totally valid situation oh, yeah. in this case. I think so. My my general advice stance is that it's very difficult to make that price go up. It's you can always bring it down, but you can't make it go up. Yep. A reprint, on the other hand, especially a reprint after uh, a, a significant economic inflation, definitely mm -hmm. falls into a special category. <laughs> in fact, uh, you are in a situation where you have to make that price go up to account for the higher uh, uh, printing costs and the higher mm -hmm. shipping costs. Without a doubt, you've got to make that price go up. And let's face it, if you're doing a reprint, this is the time you're also reprinting the cover. This is a great time to change that uh, price that has to be printed on the cover, uh, put it on there on the back and bump it up to where it needs to be so that you can still make your profits. Right. right. So right. first of all, do not think twice about raising the price on a reprint, especially if you need it to uh, to cover your, your print margins, to cover your profits. Uh, mm -hmm. So now the question is, how do you go about doing this? Uh, <laughs> you tell me what you think. I would I would I would do as little as possible because the more you do, the more you turn it into a thing. And the mm -hmm. more you turn it into a thing, the more you're going to lose customers. So I think. Or you'll lease chapter, chapter butts about it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, they this won't is, love it. Is what, yeah. This is one of those things that you have to have a little bit of finesse as a communicator and just come out and say, hey, just a little heads up, uh, wherever you're doing this on the store or, or something like that. Uh, you can communicate that prices are going up for the reprinted versions of these books, mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> I would not reach out to people. I would not do this whole thing where you here's your unless you've got a whole bunch you want to move from your warehouse. Right. And you're trying to move a bunch of those old ones mm -hmm. uh, and, and you're at the old price. You got the old price printed on them. If you if you have a bunch that you need to move. Then you do a sale where you say that you can uh, buy them before December and all that other stuff. But I would just simply raise the price because <laughs> here's the, here's the other thing. People are not paying as close of attention no. as you think they are. They're not no, they're over not. there taking notes on your life. Right. <laughs> so you, if, if they're, if, and, 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 and they're not buying the same book over and over and over again, this person that bought volume one, for a nine ninety five is not going to come back and say, Oh my gosh, it's 12 95. Now, uh, uh what am I going to do? They've already bought the book. 
The, uh, this is right. this is only going to affect new people, and they will not have bought the new book. So I would I would do it as matter of factly. And you're not hiding anything. You're not no. uh, you're not trying to fool anybody. You're just changing the price on your website when they go to buy it. Change it on the cover. Uh, if you if you feel like uh, the need to put the word out, if you've got uh, 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 frequent buyers, but then again, you're telling them if they're frequent buyers, you're telling them about something that they probably already bought uh, a simple heads up uh, that the price is going up on the website itself uh, is, is probably the most that I would do. I don't know that I would do more than that. In fact, the more I talk, the more, I don't even think I want to put a message up. I think no, I just want to, I, I, I think I just want to change the price. And, and I, that's that's what I would advise. Yeah, yeah, just change the price because listen, we all live in a world where uh, everyone gets it when price co- rise and when costs rise and and prices change. You go to McDonald's, the French fries that were you know fifty uh, cents the day before now fifty five cents. No one calls up the CEO of, of McDonald's and be like, "I'd like to speak to the manager of the manager, please." Yeah, I mean right. they do, but the, we make fun of that kind of person, you know. And that's um, a, that's a perfect example, by the way, Dave, because. We know that the price of a quarter pounder has gone up steadily over the years. How many mm-hmm. times has McDonald's taken out a commercial saying, hey, just a little heads up. If you want to buy the old $6.25 <laughs> quarter pounder, you got until December. After that, it's going to be yeah. $6.99. Never in the history of commerce <laughs> has a company put advertising out into that. Yeah. And I will say this is someone that has had to raise prices on this or that item. It doesn't matter what it was. Yeah. Uh, if I sell this to, I don't know, a thousand people, one or two people will come back to me and be like, Hey, didn't, wasn't the price. Didn't it used to be this? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah I'm so sorry. I had to raise it done. Problem done. Solved. That was it. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here's the thing, because it's a part of this is I'll just speak for me. And maybe this is me projecting a part of this is the artist guilt of having to charge yes. anything for our work. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'd give it to you for free if I could, it's not really worth anything. And so, you know, and so if it, if the price, if the value of it now is 1295 in order for you to make a profit, that's the price. Yes. That's the price. Don't feel yes. guilty about that. I, cause I, I, I say this to you because I feel it in my own heart. Uh, I, I have felt that guilt. Uh, and I, but sometimes the price has to rise. It just has to rise. And do you know why that price has to rise? Because you belong in the room. Yeah. Yeah. This, this and then, like, ties, even if, it all ties even if together. You're a healer, even if you're a healer and you don't do shit and you hang back while everyone else is fighting the dragon, you're doing your part by throwing the antibiotics at That's everyone right. and going, oh, I rolled for laparoscopic. <laughs> you still belong in the room, even if that room is a dungeon. <laughs> yeah, this all ties together. It yeah. all has to do with imposter syndrome. And in each one, let's, 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 let's not, not to make fun of this person. That's no, not, not the case, all. but I want to, how how would you go about communicating this? Would you make a distinction of reaching out to loyal readers? Again, there's guilt in that sentence. Would you give them a chance in December to buy the books? Guilt, guilt. All of these suggestions are guilt. Your listen, your 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 paper prices went up, ink cost uh, went up, printing. Your price has to go up. There's no guilt involved. This is this is meat and potatoes, nuts and bolts. Raise that price and don't think twice. 
Yeah, and also keeping in mind that you know inflation is probably going to be five to fifteen percent for the next couple of years. I mean, the, the costs are not. We're in a, a weird cycle of inflation at the moment. But yeah, you might want to just re-examine before you set the new price. Is twelve ninety five enough? I'm saying this to you as a friend. <laughs> yeah, just examining your heart. If you don't need to bring it up to fourteen, I, I, I maybe you're like Dave. You don't know what you're talking about. But I'm just saying, just take another look. What's yeah. this price going to be to you two years from now? And are you going to need to do this song and dance again? Yeah. The other thing is you might want to double check uh, because I think the EU has or the Eurozone has specific rules about if you have a listed price, you can't charge above that. So mm -hmm. what that might require is that every time you do a reprint, you raise it to that $12.95 price, but you may have to sticker over or relabel books and that happens all the time in the Canadian U.S. market yeah. where uh, people have to take both the Bookland E-A-N-U-P-C, which is uh, it lists both the ISBN number and it has the the price in it um, that you see them reprinting that. And then you have them you see them reprinting the price right by the UPC. And that, by the way, is my, why a lot of book layouts have the price right next to the UPC because yeah. one sticker covers both, uh, right? right? It's not an accident that, that happens a lot. So you may need to re-sticker, not a big deal. Every consumer is used to a, a, a re-stickering, you know? Yeah. Um, what I'm getting at is just double check your local laws about how selling an item above the listed price. Because also that frankly chaps the ass of a lot of readers more than being told that, hey, we're going to have to raise our price. If you sell something for 15 bucks and then it arrives in the mail and it's listed as nine on the back of the book, yeah. they're going to be like, oh, what yeah. the, who, who, am I a sucker? What did, what did they get me for? So you just yeah. got to make sure that all your prices match up in all the locations once you do it. Yeah, we've had, we've got a real world example of that when we did the how to make web comics book. I forget what it was. Oh, I've got a copy right here. Hold on. Hold on. I can look. How strange. I just happen to have one here. Uh, fourteen ninety nine. Okay, we Was were selling price? it for okay. fourteen ninety nine, and we got to a convention, and we were like, "I don't want to. I, we don't want to have to hand out pennies. A penny, to people. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we'll just make it fifteen. Do you know it, just from that because it didn't match what was on the book? How many people gave us grief over fourteen ninety nine versus being over charged fifteen dollars? Yeah. It was like, what it says fourteen ninety nine on the book. And I was like. Are we really going to have this conversation? Are we, are so, we all yeah, adults it here? Is, it yeah. is important to have, uh, you know, <laughs> have that uh, cover price match what you're actually charging. That's important. Yeah, but and as that's far just as, uh, as far as that reprint goes, nah, don't don't give that a second thought. Uh, come yeah, on. Yeah, and I I think like Brad, I would also co-sign the fact that you don't need to overly advertise it or yeah. overly project that this is going to happen or is happening or has happened. A price is a price is a price. And yeah. uh, I, I think like Brad, you will find that even repeat customers kind of forgot what the old price used to be. They weren't right. like at home going, well, they haven't raised prices in five years. This is tremendous. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. They're not taking notes on your life. Yeah, they're, they're, they've got their own lives to lead. You know, they're not they're not doing that. So and also, I, I don't know if I if have we talked just recently uh, that whole thing about like. I feel like I've said this before. You've got a toddler and that toddler runs headlong into the wall. Uh, you know, as a parent, your job is not to say, oh, my goodness, precious. How are you OK? No. The first thing you do is you watch that toddler. Yeah. <laughs> they start to bleed. You know, then you, you know, then you take care of them. But their reaction is going to be based on your reaction. So yes, here, what absolutely. you don't do is you don't go out and say, oh, my gosh, you guys, I'm so sorry, but I've got to raise the price of this book to 12 from nine. And I'm so this is, you know, I tried not to. 
to, but got, because then your customer's reaction is going to mimic your uh, level of panic and upsetness, and you're going to create problems where there weren't any to begin Absolutely. with. Absolutely. That exactly ties into the fact that whenever I've had to do this, I, I my a thousand customers of a book say, I only get two emails. And then to yeah. those people, I respond with all the facts and how here's how yeah. the prices rise and yeah. here's why it had to go. But the other 998 didn't care. And so that's the toddler that picked themselves up and kept playing with. And so I don't project my crying onto them or like, oh, no. woe is me. We have to raise the price. That just introduces panic to Brad's point. So yeah, raise the price, raise it to make sure you're raising it to a, a, a price that can last for the next couple of years. Cause I don't think this is the end of an inflationary cycle. And then also uh, 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 keep in mind local laws as to far as how much you might have to restick or existing product, but go, go and run with it. I think you're in good steed and no one will think the worst of you for having to have raised prices. And, you know, we've been going and running with it here on Comic Lab for the last hour or so. And I got to tell you, I'm ready for a little inflation of my own. I'm going to have a little lunch in a little bit here as soon as we get done (laughs) wrapping up. So I'm going to tell you that you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my kind friend, Brad Geiger, the guide to D&D and the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. And my close personal friend, Dave Kellett, the co-director of the comics documentary Stripped, also father of the year and cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and Drive at drivecomic.com. You know, I just remembered we di- I did play D&D once with you and Scott and Chris Straub, I think, in some kind of gaming tavern in Seattle. Didn't we play it once? Yes. I th- we, yeah, I, I, I have a, a vague recollection of that. I remember being confused the whole time. Anyway, the Comic Club theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by the wonderful Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And Comic Lab is made possible by your support on Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So we'll go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. So in a D&D campaign, is the healer just like the IT guy in an office? Like they, they come in, they swoop in, they save everybody's bad mistakes, oh. and then they, they duck back out to their office and you don't even know where they work again? Is that Yeah, like, it, it, like they, they, would, they would just come up to this body and say, have, have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> you know, with that sour, wouldn't that, that's a great idea. This, the sour healer that's just, just being put upon every time. And all of these things are just, it's the dumbest thing. You, it, it, last time you called me in, it was a splinter. Are you serious this time? Yeah, like you, you, the healer comes in and, you know, there's a guy dead. There's a, there's a dragon also dead across the floor. And he's like, what websites were you on that made this happen? Where were you, where were you going? Let's check your browser history. What is this Russian website? You knew this was going to crash your computer. I've told you a thousand times when you see kobolds, you go the other direction. I don't even know what that is, and I'm laughing. What's a kobold? It's like a like a D and D creature. It's like a like a lizard that stands on two legs. Oh, okay, that sounds yeah. nice. <laughs>